you're choosing to become a mother. And with that choice, you're accepting all responsibility of whatever that child is going to be. Welcome back to a new season of Big Little Choices. This is Shri, and I'm so excited to bring you more stories, more inspiring choices, and more opportunities for all of us to learn about what other amazing women and mothers are doing. We really want the season to inspire you and to make a choice or choices that are right for you. If you've heard episodes from the previous season, I hope your takeaway was that you can make an unconventional choice, stay true to yourself, and still have a happy ending. Hope you enjoy the show. In today's episode, you'll meet Alina, mother to Winter and Nova. In our conversation, we talk about the choice that Alina and her husband will made to have a child with Down syndrome. In today's society where perfection is so sought after, it was very inspiring to hear Alina's story and made me question what perfect means and why it matters. Alina grew up with a single mom in an interracial family. Her parents got divorced when she was three and one of her only memories was of them fighting and of her not being heard as a child. This had a strong influence on how Alina wanted to be as a mother in making sure that her children always felt loved and heard. Once Alina and her husband Will were married, they soon decided to start a family. But they had a long and difficult journey to pregnancy. While Alina was ready to consider IVF at a certain point, it took a bit of convincing Will before he was ready to make that choice. So after three years of trying and going through two miscarriages, we finally decided to do IVF. In the beginning when I had brought it up to him, he wasn't, it wasn't an idea that he was on board with. He was like, you know, if it's not happening naturally, then, you know, it wasn't meant to be. We had kind of fiddled around with the idea of adoption, but I really wanted to try to have a child naturally. You know, growing up as an only child, I wanted to be able to see myself in my child, and that was really important to me. And Sometimes I feel really silly saying that because your child is your child no matter what and you're going to love that child. But I think because I I come from a mixed background and just wanting, it's just, it was just important to me to be able to see myself in my child. So he, he finally felt or was convinced, I guess, uh, that we should go forward with IVF. And um, so we did. And actually through that process, I, I found out that I was producing eggs at a lower rate at my age because I was 37 and the doctor at the time had said, you know, you should probably be producing between 16 and 18 eggs at this age. And even with the hormone treatments, the most eggs I could produce was 10. So my odds of having a successful IVF treatment was kind of low. And so I was, I produced 10 eggs and four of them fertilized, but it came down to only two where the cells were actually splitting. And then it was just one. And I got a call from the embryologist. He had told me that the cells had stopped splitting on the one that had like all of our hopes and dreams attached to it. And he's like, you know, we had already given this embryo an extra day and the cells are not splitting. So he basically called to say, I don't think this is gonna be successful. Of course, I was devastated. I cried and I don't know if that convinced him to give it one more day or not, or if it was something he had already planned, but he was like, you know what? I'm gonna give it one more day um, and I'll give you a call in the morning, but don't expect good news. 
and I was like, okay, great. So I went home and cried to my husband and I told him it's not gonna happen. But for whatever reason, I had this sliver of hope and I chanted for a miracle. I'm, I'm a Buddhist, so the same as praying, right? Um, but we just chanting our hearts out, like, please, please universe, like, let the cell split. And I almost felt like I was doing it in vain a little bit, but I had to give it everything that I had. And was this because this was your one and only option? Did it at that point feel like this was the only way you could have ever had a family? Yes, it did. It felt like this was our last chance. Um, and we knew at the time that we could only afford to go through IVF once. Um, and, you know, we still hadn't really talked about any other options um, in terms of having our own, like, natural child. So, yeah, and with my age, too, I just felt like this is it. And I, I was in desperation mode. And in the morning, the embryologist called, and he was like, I don't know what happened, but the cell split. We biopsied it, and we sent it off to the lab. And that was, like, the most, like, life-changing moment. Like, I, I was in so much shock that I, like, cried and laughed at the same time because my body just, like, didn't know how to react. So what happened with the results from the biopsy? It came back as no results. Um, at the time, we didn't know what that meant. Our fertility doctor said that, you know, sometimes this happens, and it could mean the biopsy was too small uh, to test, so it came back with no results, or it could mean that there is a chromosomal abnormality. Um, so that's when we had to make the decision, do you want to implant? And that being our only embryo, I would, was like, well, yeah, of course we want to implant. There was no doubt then? I mean, a little bit, a little bit, but not enough to make me go, no, I'm not going to implant. Because, you know, the way that we looked at it was that that embryo wanted to be here. <laughs> like, she fought, I mean, at the time we didn't know it was a she, but... Um, she fought to be here and we wanted her. So yeah, I'm going to implant. So it wasn't a question for very long. And I still, I still at the time didn't even think that there would be anything wrong. So we implanted, became pregnant. It took, um, I found out on Christmas morning that I was pregnant. Um, but I was still scared. Like I thought like, oh, I could still miscarry, you know, but Pregnancy went along. It was great. About 20 weeks, I believe, we did prenatal testing. It was brought up, and I just assumed that's what you do. You know, I knew at my age that there could be something that could come up, but obviously not at the forefront of my mind. Um, so I just did the the, bl the blood work, the prenatal, prenatal testing, and I was at work again and got the results back. And the nurse said, I'm sorry. That was her first thing that she said. I'm sorry. Your results came back positive for T21 Down syndrome. And I was just in shock. I was like, what? You know, and I cried and I cried and I was like, how accurate is this test? And she said, 
well, it's probably about 80% accurate. You know, you can do further testing to confirm that's more, it's more um, conclusive. Conclusive. That's it. So I decided to move forward with more testing, and I ended up getting a CVS. Okay, so you decide to do further testing mm-hmm. so you can get more conclusive results. Yes. And then what did you hear about? It's in fact Down syndrome, that your baby will be born with Down syndrome. When you got the diagnosis from the prenatal testing mm-hmm. about Winter having Down syndrome, was terminating the pregnancy even an option in your mind? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I knew it was there. But it wasn't like, I'm trying to put myself back in that headspace. But I want to say no. I thought about it because I knew it was there. But it was such a hard thing to even embrace. I think the day that I told my husband, we're not terminating. We are moving forward with this pregnancy. It was a huge relief off of his shoulders. So thank you. He was just like, he was on board. He was like, that's how I feel too. I... Especially after going to your doctor's appointments and knowing how much you want to be a parent, you know, and how much you want this child, no matter what diagnosis she has. Like, I, if it wasn't life-threatening, if she wasn't going to die in, you know, a couple of days or months, or um, if I knew she wasn't going to have a fulfilled life, a full life, why would it be an option? Like, why is Down syndrome considered something that is so horrible that you would t- terminate? Like, I, your child can still breathe. She can walk. She can make friends. She can eat. <laughs> she can love. She can laugh. She does everything that a typically developing child does. And I don't understand why why it's considered something so negative. I think it's because our society is constantly striving for perfection, right? Yeah. And anytime something is off of that track of being perfect, I think people are scared. They're scared about how they would deal with that imperfection, how society would judge them about having this imperfection. I think there's just so much negativity associated with it now that it's really sad. Because I think it takes away from what real, raw experiences in life are. Yeah. That are not so perfect. I agree. And like, what's the definition of perfect? You could have a typically developing child and still face challenges. I mean, you don't know how that child is going to grow up to be like, you know, I don't know if your child's going to be like. What if your child becomes a drug addict and doesn't do anything meaningful in life, but was perfect? When he or she was born. Right. What does that mean in terms of how you're defining perfect? Exactly. So it's all subjective. What were the tactical things that you had to start thinking about? I mean, this sounds so funny or not funny, but it's like you literally have to pull yourself up from your bootstraps, right? It's like you're choosing to become a mother. And with that choice, you're accepting all responsibility of whatever that child is going to be. And because my husband and I wanted to be parents so badly that even though I was devastated, I mean, I was literally like mourning the child that I thought I was going to have. 
because I knew nothing about Down syndrome, nothing at all. I just had assumptions. I, what I saw like growing up, you know, is always an an older woman with a middle aged child with Down syndrome, barely able to talk and completely reliant on their parent, and that those were the images. So I had to do my own research. I had to reach out to other families that had children with Down syndrome. And I feel like that's where social media was really key and important because I was able to do that very easily. I was able to reach out to these other moms that were posting about their children, about their journey, about what it's like to have a child with Down syndrome. You know, I'm forever grateful for those women because they opened up to me. You know, I was able to see from their feed what they go through. Because talking to the experts wasn't helpful. They tell you everything your child won't do. Don't expect this. Don't expect that. And you're constantly reminded up until you're, you're not that you can still terminate. And it's like I've already been through many, many doctor's appointments, many cardiologist appointments. I've seen my child's heartbeat. I've heard her heartbeat. I've seen her little feet and her hands and no, like I'm not going to. Even after making the statement of saying, no, I'm not going to terminate, I'm still being reminded. And it's this constant like Down syndrome is bad. Down syndrome, you know, it's already decided for you. And that's not giving me a true look at what it means to have a child with Down syndrome and what it's like, like the day to day. Like that's what was important to me was the day to day. And those women are the ones that really made me see the light. It was just enough for me to be like, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. So once you found out the diagnosis, you made peace with the fact that you were going to go ahead and have the baby. What was the second half of your pregnancy like? It was good. I didn't really have a hard time being pregnant with Winter. She was... I mean, she moved around a lot, but other than that, and I experienced heartburn for the first time. I didn't even know what that was. I was like, oh my God, I'm dying. I'm having a heart attack. I had never had heartburn before. But there's still a small part of me. And, you know, I feel, yeah, I guess I feel ashamed a little bit. There was still a small part of me that hoped that she didn't have Down syndrome, that we were the 1% where the test was wrong because it's only 99% accurate. So I was like, oh, maybe we're the 1% and we'll be surprised. Way back in my brain, way back in my brain. Um, I had accepted her diagnosis, but I still carried a little bit of that. And I, I feel a little ashamed about that because of what I still didn't know. You know, I still was afraid. With Down syndrome comes um, certain physical characteristics um, that people share. And like I said earlier, it was important to me to be able to see myself and my child. And I was scared that I would see Down syndrome and not her or me and my husband in her. Yeah, I, did, I just didn't allow myself to fully enjoy my pregnancy. I really didn't. I, I held back on a lot of stuff. I think if I didn't get her diagnosis in a negative way, I think I would have been just like any other mother that is excited for their first child. I would be shopping for baby clothes. I would be, you know, setting up 
her nursery and buying the cute toys and um, and I didn't do that. I really didn't. I think I, I had purchased a few baby things before I became pregnant in hopes that one day I'd be able to use them. But other than that, I don't think I really bought anything. How did you feel in terms of how people reacted to your choice to move forward? So I actually, this was a decision both my husband and I made. We decided not to tell friends. We told our moms. We both, both of our dads are not in the picture, but we both told our moms that, you know, Winter would be born with Down syndrome. We purposely did not tell friends because we didn't want them to be influenced by her diagnosis. We wanted them to be excited for us. We wanted them to, we wanted that authentic, like, excitement for us and we didn't want the uh the pity or the I'm sorry or it's all gonna be okay like we didn't want any of that so we purposely chose not to tell people until after she was born once you had winter and started settling into your new life were there any decisions or choices you had to make to make sure that like you were saying received authentic love from your friends and your community And even from yourself in making sure that she was in an environment where she was really nurtured and valued and loved. The main decision I had to make was to not protect her or keep her in a bubble. I guess that's the better word. Um, I had to still keep living my life. I had, we had to live our life. I went through a really hard um, postpartum. And it took a little while before I would go out in public. And there was hesitation about what people's reactions would be when they saw her. Um, But I really had to push myself to just go, live, go to the store. If someone makes a certain remark or if they look at her a little too long, like, I had to be okay with that. I had to kind of build a little bit of a tough skin and not just react. But also making sure that my my friends and my family just saw her and was around her and realized that she, for the most part, is just like any other child. She was the best baby. <laughs> she really was. I didn't have to co-sleep with her. I She slept in her own bed from day one and uh, she was just like, the best little cuddler. I I loved cuddling with her. I just lived my life how I would with any other child. That that first year with her, it was good. It was really good. I mean, we had to make decisions in terms of therapy, early intervention. I learned about um, what the state provides for children with special needs and immediately got that ball rolling because I wanted to make sure that we were on top of that and that she was given the opportunity to reach her highest potential and that she could, that we worked on her uh, developmental milestones and just wanted to make sure that she had everything she needed for a good start to her life. Yeah, I mean, in terms of that, like having to like make decisions of therapists and therapies and programs and around friends and family, it, it was just like, come, come see her, be around her. I think in the beginning, was very protective and obviously hesitant, but I just had to make that conscious effort to just, or decision to just live, just be, and 
people will see Winter for who she is. So soon after you have Winter, you then get pregnant with Nova, Mm -hmm. naturally. Mm -hmm. And almost nine months to the date, (laughs) after you have Winter, you have Nova. So I'd love to hear about what it is like to raise two different kids in your house when each of their needs are different, in making sure that you're not neglecting one over the other Mm -hmm. or overcompensating for one over the other Mm -hmm. and still being fair in how much you love each of them. To be honest, I probably am not doing that great of a job. (laughs) I'm trying, you know, I'm learning as I'm going. Winter naturally does have more needs and I have to learn to not always do everything for her. And I'm getting better at it, that's for sure. So winter now is two and a half. Yes. And Nova is going to turn two in this summer. Yes. And he obviously developmentally, to us, feels very advanced. (laughs) I mean, at nine, ten months, he was standing and already trying to take steps. Winter had just started sitting up independently at nine months. So right now, keeping up with him is really hard. But me and my husband told each other that We would make sure to check in with Nova because it's easy. It's so easy to just be like, he's okay. He's fine. He doesn't need us as much. But obviously right now, because he's still young, he actually has more needs in a a very different way. Like I was saying, Winter was such an easy baby. She basically eased us into parenthood. You know, we had no idea what it really meant to have a typically developing child. Nova, we still co-sleep with Nova. He's a lot more needy in that sense. Yes, he's independent in walking. Yes, you know, climbing, goes off and plays on his own, where Winter needs a little bit more assistance. Takes her a little bit longer to warm up. She's a little bit more hesitant to try things. But once she does, it's like, watch out. But it's hard. It's hard to balance. Uh, Right now, I would say the biggest challenges are when we're out in public, especially when I'm by myself, making the decision of whether or not to hold her or to hold him or to just let him walk and then hold her uh, physical challenges in that sense. Emotionally, I make sure that I take those moments, especially when I'm putting Witcher down for the night. Like I consider that my time with her. You know, I rock her to sleep. I talk to her and then when we go to her group therapies it's just me and her and then when she goes down at night and then I'm with Nova that's my time with Nova and I make sure that he feels love and that you know I tell him how much I love him and I talk to him and we play and you know I just make sure that I have those alone moments with each child and usually it's at night um, because they both go to sleep at different times. How do you find the courage and this confidence to get you through the bad days and really never make Winter feel like she can't do something? I would say friends. Having really good girlfriends and other moms that have your back. You know, I I don't have many friends that have children with special needs. But honestly, when I just need that support from myself and need that shoulder to cry on or that shoulder to lean on it doesn't matter you know I I lean on my friends that have kids with special needs when I'm facing challenges with winter and my husband I mean my husband's pretty amazing too I mean we've been through a lot but I've always called him my rock like 
he's the one that stands tall and strong and I know he feels things too and he goes through a hard time but he's better at not letting it show. That is Alina's story. It's not a choice for everyone and requires an enormous amount of courage to have a child that is not perfect by society standards. I met Winter during the interview and she's the sweetest little girl. Yes, visibly different, but not any less charming or lovable. Alina and I wrapped up our chat with some final thoughts on what we need in order to make an unconventional choice. What advice do you have for other women who have to make a bold, unconventional, difficult choice in their lives? And how do you stick with it? Well, for me, just the type of person that I am, once I make a decision, I just do it. I think if it's something that you're passionate about and your heart and your mind is saying, this is right for you, you gotta just take that leap of faith. It's scary. It's scary as hell. I totally get it. And that you need the support and help of others. You can't do it alone. And I think that's a huge misconception when it comes to women. I think, especially in social media, you see women doing it all and like working and still maintaining a beautiful home and looking fabulous and have the perfect marriage. And it's like, they're not doing it by themselves. They have help. They definitely have help. And it's not perfect. There are challenges and there are difficulties that are happening and difficult choices but I would say you just gotta take that leap of faith you gotta do it and you gotta ask for help it's hard I know it is as moms as women we feel like we're supposed to do it on our own and figure it out on our own but that's not reality it's not truth the truth is is that we need help we need the support of others we are strong we are determined beings we are more than capable of doing a lot of things but we can't do it alone and if you're passionate about something and you need, you know in your heart and in your mind you need to do it, you do it and you get the support and help that you need to make sure that you can make that decision. Thank you for listening to this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back soon with another interview. And until then, if you have any feedback or comments on the kinds of choices you want to hear more about, let me know.